Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency. I'm Peter Yajisek, Head of Technology at Situation. And this week, I have two excellent guests with me in Situation Studios. Jeremy Kraus, our Executive Director of Client Services. Correct. I'm getting a nod from Jeremy. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. And Chris Powers, our Executive Director of... No. Sorry, Executive Creative Director. Executive Creative Director. Welcome, Chris. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> you guys have both been on the podcast before. Thank you. I think this is your second time each, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I believe excellent. I was on number 20, and I believe this may be number 30. I think you're right. We have to have you in every, every 10. 10. Except Moving we missed, forward, we, missed we did miss the first one. We weren't, we weren't ready for you, Jeremy. All right, I'm 10. ready now. We had to get you know our stuff together. Every 10 means every 20 weeks, right? That's a yeah. Good, yeah. That's a good break. That's pretty good. Um so the, the reason I wanted to bring you guys in today for a chat was uh, you are both managers. You both manage pretty pretty big teams here at the agency. And I wanted to have a conversation about interviews and interviewing people uh, to work here and, and hopefully get, uh, you know, give our listeners a little bit of a sense of some of the both best and maybe not so best things that we've heard in interviews. Uh, one of our audiences for the podcast that we hear from a lot are people that might be trying to get a job in a creative field, might be trying to get a job here. Uh, a lot of times when we have new hires that came in recently in the last year or so, they said, oh, I, I listened to the podcast before I came in. So I wanted to just have a conversation where we talk a little bit about some of the things over the many years that we've all been interviewing people we've heard and we've seen and kind of what what makes for the best possible interview when we're talking to somebody to join the team? Um, so, but before we dive into that, uh, can you guys each give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what it is that you do here at Situation? Jeremy, let's start with you. Sure. What do you do here? Uh, well, I do a lot, but uh, I guess what most people would say is uh, my job is to oversee our account team, which is about 20-ish people. Uh, who are our account managers, who are the liaisons between our clients and our internal team, our creative team, our production team, our media team. Uh, And we really are running the day-to-day for our clients, uh, managing the budget, planning, strategy, but then also executing and making sure everything uh, gets done on time, on budget, and making sure that our client are happy with uh, the job that we're doing. You're the front line of defense. You're, You're the front door. Indeed, yes. Do, do you have? I, sometimes we use the phrases "account team" and "client services team" interchangeably. Do you have a preference? Which do you prefer? Um, I I actually prefer client services because I, I think uh, account team and, and in the old days of ad agencies, I think uh, an account person or you know is is comes with it the idea that you know you're just the account guy or the account gal and you're mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, thinking with strategy. You know, a lot of times there's the idea that, you know, you take something from the client, you go and you give it to uh, the internal team, you give them a brief, and then you get back the answers you're looking for and you bring it back to the client. And it's a, a little bit of like paper pushing type um, You're just on thing. the account. Well, yeah, you're the, you're, you're the account guy. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm not sure client services is that much better. I like to think of our team as uh, – marketing directors, honestly, uh, people who, you know, are thinking uh, strategically and thinking for the client and also thinking and working with our internal team 
um, to think creatively. Yeah. And I think your team also has to have a, a little bit of PR in their blood as well to kind of communicate uh, both directions between our internal staff and kind of what you heard the client say. Maybe they're a little bit more blunt with you than you can necessarily present to the people you're talking to inside. Yes, lots of, lots of hats that you wear. Chris, can you tell our listeners what it is that you do here at Situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I oversee the you know creative of, of any particular project or client. And essentially what we do is work with client services or the account guy, depending on how you want to think about them. Um, and it, it, essentially we take what clients problems are and try to come up with solutions. And those solutions come in many, many different forms. I mean, particularly in the digital world, there's a new thing that could happen tomorrow that we're going to start doing. But essentially that's, you know, advertising, you know, banner ads, it could be video, it could be just like some story-based, you know, campaign that we want to do, social, you know, whatnot. But essentially we try to make what client services has has kind of given us as that problem and come up with a, like an innovative and interesting solution that, you know, gets results. So Jeremy might come to you and say, I have a particular client that's really excited by Pokemon Go. Their kid's on it all the time and they want to get our opinion on whether we should do something. And you're the person who has to kind of formulate our thought process. Yeah, it. except I'm, I'm not the only person. Like sure. we're a very collaborative agency. So in, in the case of something like Pokemon Go, yeah, we would sit and give a think about it. But then we'd pull in people from like media team, the production department, like nothing that we do can really be done without other people's help. Well, that that is a perfect segue. The best way to get those other people uh, we have to hire people. We have to bring people into the agency. We have to kind of vet them or interview them and determine whether or not they're going to be a good fit in our culture um, based on their experience, based on their personality, based on a lot of different things. And um, you guys are in a lot of interviews. Is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, especially uh, recently as we've been growing and uh, looking to add to our team. Uh, yeah, I would say in the last month or so, I've probably I've probably done about 20 interviews, um, and uh, and that ranges anywhere from uh, quick phone calls that we sometimes do first uh, to, you know, in-person interviews to, you know, second or third round interviews where they're, you know, we have uh, potential candidates doing test projects for us. Uh, so it's a, it's a wide range of what we call interviews, and, and before, I'll, before we even get to the interviews, we have hundreds and hundreds of resumes, so... You know, last week I think I looked through 200 resumes. Um, so it's uh, it's time consuming, and uh, but it's also very rewarding when you know you you sit in an interview and you feel like you found the right person, or at least the person you want to take to the next um, stage. Chris, how many people would you say you you've interviewed in your tenure situation? You've been here for how many years? Seven years? Yeah, yeah it's got to be more. It's I've been here eight, and you were here before me. So. Yeah, I've been wow. here ten. I've been here a while. He doesn't even want to say. But you, is there any way you could put a ballpark on the number of people you think you've interviewed? Uh, pretty much no, but um, <laughs> infinite. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, you know, it's probably been at least a hundred. Like it, yeah. it, it's been a crazy amount. I bet you it's been two hundred at least. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and and but before we move into kind of the experience of of being in the in the room with somebody, um, you know, I think one of the things that's probably become a reality more. Uh, in the last few years is interviewing someone 
remotely, whether that's on a video screen. Uh, I've done phone interviews myself, which I think are, are very difficult to really get a sense of the person. But are you are you able to interview someone these days on uh, Skype or on a video screen effectively? Either of you? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's as close to being in the room as you can. I mean, I'd prefer that over the phone for right. sure. I do too. I mean, the thing we've been doing recently, just because of the um, large quantity of people that are applying for jobs here, and we're trying to really just get a sense of who these people are, what their interests are, and whether we think that they could even potentially be a good fit here is the thing I've liked doing is actually just a phone call. We do 15 minutes on the on the phone because I think we've all been in a situation where we know easily when we sit in a room with somebody within the first five minutes, whether, you know, how the next half hour is going to go. And, and often, um, you know, we, it's just much more time efficient to be able to, let's say in an hour, do four or five quick phone screeners, we call them just to get a sense of the person, um, hear how they talk, especially for my department you know, how they present themselves, how they talk to clients is, might be the most important thing. Obviously, they have to be smart and they have to come up with good ideas and they have to be detail-oriented. But, you know, unfortunately, there's a, there are a lot of people out there that you can tell in five minutes on a phone call that they're not right for the role. Right. Um, well, so that, for, that avoids, for your department in particular, communication skills over the phone, that's so much of what they'll be doing. Correct. So yeah. that's a really good gauge of you know, within those three to five minutes is this, you know, what is, what is this person's presentation skill? What are their presentation skills like on the phone? Yeah. But Chris, I imagine that's slightly different for folks that work on your team. Not a whole lot of client facing necessarily uh, at the more senior levels. Absolutely. But um, if you're interviewing a designer, uh, you know, sometimes they may not have the greatest phone skills. And so for, for you, is it, is it someone that, would you rather be in the room with that person out of the gate or is a phone, is the phone, a phone call something that can be helpful? Well, I mean, I, I would sort of disagree with the, the thought that, you know, just because you're not talking to clients doesn't mean you, cause you are collaborating. We are, it's so important. Communication skills are super important no right. matter what your position is. Um, you know, obviously we're going to have a little more leeway with someone who we think you know, maybe won't have that much like client facing interaction, but it's important whether you're designing or copywriting video, like you have to be able to communicate what you do to other people. You have to be able to explain why you did what you did. And those are really important skills, no matter what position you're looking for. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, but it, as far as like an initial contact or, or whatever, like phone is fine. Um, I think the, 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 the kind of the way our process works, you know, first we, you know, do look at the resumes, but then we have a series of interviews, you know, kind of like what Jeremy was alluding to. And the, the kind of the, it's going to be important for you to be able to talk about what you did and talk about what you did with passion and pride, um, because that's kind of what we look for, again, no matter what the position. I apologize for that phone ring. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to edit it out. I'm surprised it hasn't happened more on the podcast. Uh, but I'm no, Chris, I'm really glad you, that you said that because I think uh, I just in asking you that last question, I think I fell into a trap uh, where I made an assumption about different roles within the agency 
about the kinds of people that need to be able to communicate well. But I think you're absolutely right uh, that that if you are in the room or on the phone or on the video screen, you are looking for somebody that's passionate about what it is that they do it, uh, and that can convey that passion very clearly uh, because that gives you a sense of what that person's going to work be like to work with day to day. Sorry, I, yeah, I want to add in one thing here that that what Chris was talking about of how people talk. Um, the, the thing I think is so important that maybe a lot of people don't realize is that they, you know, they're in interviews. They're really focused on you know what part. Let's say what part of their past experience they want to tell us, or like actual things they did. And to me, what's much more important is how they talk about it. Are, you know, are they talking? You know, I sat in an interview recently where somebody literally just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, didn't let me jump in with a question, respond even. It was just like nonstop, probably 10 minutes straight of talking. And right there, like, I, I honestly didn't care what they were saying. And that sounds harsh, but you have to be harsh sometimes when you're interviewing a lot of people. And, you know, I just knew right away, like, this is not the type of person I want in our agency talking to clients because clients are going to feel like, they're not listening to me. They're not, you know, they're not giving me a chance to actually say what I think. Um, and then on the flip side, I've been in interviews where, you know, you'll ask somebody a question, and uh, you know what, you, you know what you uh, what what you find most rewarding about your last job, let's say, and they'll be like, I like the people I worked with, and that was it, done, right? So it's like that's the exact opposite of like, you know, expand on something, take some time. So again, I think how people talk. What their you know style is 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 in many ways way more important than what they're saying. Yeah, uh, no, I, I definitely agree. And you, in that instance, with the guy who wouldn't stop talking, you were projecting that person into a client situation in the future and realizing that that could be problematic. Yeah, uh, Chris, you alluded to the number of rounds that somebody typically goes through before we hire them here. Can you talk about that a little bit more? What, what what's the difference between round one? And the final round before we make somebody an offer in your mind, what's the purpose of of doing? I that? mean, literally. I mean, when you look at it from you know just a logistics point point of view, it's it, we have a lot of people that we again we're very collaborative. We want to make sure that you you know if we're if we're going to bring you into a part of a team, we want to make sure the team has has met you and has a conversation with you and, and feels like you know there's good rapport and all that. So. Literally, some of it is just we have we have multiple interviews that we need to to you know kind of schedule. Um, the The real difference is um, you know different folks may be looking for different stuff. You know, like if you're a peer, you want to know how how well you can work together. If someone's a manager, maybe I want to know how well you can work independently. Um, if, you know, it, and again, the, there's that last step that we have and depending on what the position is, um, you know, we do have kind of a, pro, a test project where we give you a kind of a, do something that you will work, be required to do or something, you know, kind of approximating what you would be required to do at, for the position and then give a presentation on it. Um, so there we're looking for, you know, when you have that, you, you, you've been given a problem, what's your solution to that problem and how are you presenting that information and how are you, you know, kind of explaining to others and getting them, you know, excited about what your ideas are and what, how are you telling the story of, of that solution? 
those are the kinds of th- those are essentially the three different levels, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, 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 all these things are kind of you know situation dependent. Right. Have either of you guys ever made an offer to someone after just the first meeting? Has it ever been kind of like a slam dunk? I'm trying to th- I don't no, think I don't I have. think so ex- unless it's like a real, you know, an entry level possibly where they don't need to meet a ton of people, but even then you usually get a second interview and if it's a senior level person it's either 3 or possibly even 4 if, you know, Damien let's say hasn't had a chance uh our president if he hasn't had a chance to meet somebody and they're coming into a senior role, that's usually the last step is everybody else feels good. And then let's have you just quickly meet Damien, make sure he doesn't have any red flags. Um, but he gets to ask one of his Damien questions. Yes. Which we've, we've alluded to before in the podcast. Chris, what about you? Anybody? No, I mean, the only I could only see one reason why we would do that, and that is because they've already worked with us. Mm. Um, and they already know – we already kind of know enough about them. Um, and by us, I mean like the team, like – Enough people on the team will have kind of have worked with them somewhere yeah. else, possibly, or yeah, or they they or, worked here before in another role. Now they're they're applying for a different role, you know, coming back, which has happened, right? Um, but if if you're new to the team, you're new to situation. I think we we do want to get as many voices in the room to just you know see if we like you. Well, and and that Jeremy, you brought up a good point. That that does happen a lot where we will hire someone either who we worked with in a client relationship. I'm, I'm one of those on some level. Uh, you know, I started on the client side working the situation many years ago and uh, didn't immediately go from the client side to working here, but knew a lot of the people that did work here, certainly had a relationship with, with Damien and with Tom. Uh, you know, does it make it easier to not poach someone, but when they're ready to move on and we've had a professional relationship with them, does it make it easier to to kind of understand how they might fit in here? And do you have a mental list of people that you're like, well, if they're ever looking for something else, we should have a conversation with them? I definitely have a mental list. Um, there are enough people that I think we all work with that we know who, you know, if they ever came knocking on our door, we would be more than happy to uh, talk with them and hopefully have them work here. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the the interesting thing and the piece of advice I give a lot to people is is that regardless of whether you get a job here or not, if you interview with us, you know, stay on our radar because you never know when things will come back around or when we'll have a need or we'll remember you or you'll come back to us for another reason, whether you've worked with us, whether you haven't. If you've even just met us or worked with us in a different capacity as a vendor, as a client, um, you know, always treat kind of those interactions as thinking that maybe one day that'll be my boss or you know, uh, or I might be working for them. Uh, a really good example of this came from very early in my career. My first boss was a guy by the name of William Doble, who uh, hired me out of college at a theater company that he was the general manager for. And it turned out, you know, 15 years later or so, I was the one who hired him to work in situations uh, video department a few years ago. Um, and again, you know, he was uh, never thought that would have ever happened. But, you know, a guy who is a boss who I loved, who I loved working with, and it, it paid dividends for him in the future because I was able to get him in the door here. So shout out to Bill Doble. Uh, oh, awesome. Awesome guy. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you you really do know who you can work with well. Uh, and, and if our listeners, you want to find out if you're on Jeremy's mental list, you can send us an email 
to podcast at situation.myc and we'll see if we can pry it out of his brain. Um, uh, so let's talk about the interview process a little bit. Jeremy, you mentioned that within like three to five minutes, you can kind of tell if how the interview is going to go. Chris, do you, do you find that to be true? Can you get a pretty quick read in the room of whether or not this is going to be a fruitful, fruitful conversation or a challenging one? Um, I mean, usually, yeah. I mean, well, it, it doesn't matter whether I can or not. Like that's human nature is within the first like five or 10 seconds, you're going to make all kinds of crazy judgments about people. So I try to, I try to fight against that a little bit. Um, because, you know, someone may come in, they're nervous, you know, they, they, you know, they may not have their best day, you know, and what I, I try to, you know, kind of like not make those judgments. But again, you know, within 10 seconds, pretty much everyone has sized you up and has all kinds of opinions about you that are probably unwarranted. Yeah. I mean, I, there are times that I've turned it around where I've sat in and early on, I'm like this, no way. And then by the end, I'm like that actually, they, they had a lot of great answers. They totally turned it around. And actually, I do think we want to bring them back for another one. But honestly, in the first couple minutes, there are a couple of tests that I always do, which is even if I have their resume sitting on my desk, I do not bring it into the room. They obviously applied for the job. They sent their resume. But the first thing I do when I walk in is, can I have your resume? And it's shocking to me how many people don't come to an interview these days with their resume. Um, and to me, that's just a mistake. Um, and, you know. Well, and- I, I, is that a mistake? Because like now, nowadays, it's all, you know, PDFs and like digital and electronic. So I, there's something about that that I feel like might be old thinking, but I kind of like I have that bias as well. Like I'll ask for a resume. Um, but I don't know if that is re- like for you. Clearly, it is. Well, for that's, me, not three it is a bit. that's like strike one. Yeah, if yeah. you do that and then if you have. If you ever have a typo on your resume, and again, oh, this is like it's so con- – I would say at least honestly 75% of the resumes I read have a typo, whether it's a missing period, whether it's a misspelled word, whether it's grammatically incorrect. Um, and it's, that's, again, shocking to me That's you know probably 75% of people don't have enough time to make sure, have somebody proofread it. But if you, let's say, don't bring your resume and, and then I look back at your resume and, and you have a typo on it, that's like two strikes and you're almost done right there. So it's like those are some easy, easy things that you can do yeah. before you even step in a room that you don't want the first impression to be, I forgot my resume or I didn't care enough about my resume to make it perfect. Yeah, and I think the the typo thing, I agree with you. That is – that's not even so much like everybody – I'm a horrible speller personally. But but I think the – what finding a typo in someone's resume tells me is not that, oh, you're not smart because there was a typo. We all misspell things. It's – you know, it, it paints a picture of how you're taking this process of getting a job and and about your collaborative ability to get two or three friends to read your, your, your resume before you send it to somebody. So it kind of gives me a snapshot of like is this a person that naturally goes out – and crowdsources and finds help and asks for help. Uh, so if I see a typo, I'm like, oh, I, you maybe should have asked for help or, uh, you know, involve more people in this process. Um, well, it's you, like, it, it would be like showing up dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, maybe wash. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the day to, to, to scrub a, shower. a layer off. Yeah, you know, show up, don't be high. I have a question. We we have a very, very casual work environment, especially in terms of dress. Um, As we're sitting here, I'm looking around, we're all wearing jeans. Um, What what 
does does how somebody dress ever affect your opinion of them? No, I mean to me, as long as they're they're you know clean cut, like not they're good. not. Yeah, they're, they're, it's not inappropriate. Um, like if someone were you know shaggy or, like board shorts, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Right. Uh, yeah, but somebody who comes in in a suit or uh, does not. You don't think any differently of them than if they came in jeans and a collared shirt. No, sometimes I mean I don't know for you know for me sometimes the suit is a bit like it, the suit may be overselling yourself. You know what I mean? Like and, and I don't know. I mean I, I would never. I think it's always good. Like basically go like you would go to you know a nice important function. Like yeah. as long as you you look nice. Like you don't have to be full suit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. Again, if you if you look appropriately, you look like you should be working here. That you could, you know, receive guests in our office. Like mm-hmm. that, I think is the the minimum that I would re- require. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. I think a suit sometimes can be overkill, but I never knock anybody if they come in a suit. Yeah, that's because fair. there's no downside to being dressed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same thing I think about having a paper copy of your resume. I understand that everything's digital and that you don't have it, but what is the downside to having a folder in your, in your bag that has some in there? You should always just, because you never know what kind of environment you're going to go into. So why chance it? Right. Uh, now, now I, think if you've kind of read the room in your first round and you came in a suit and then in your next round you come in and you're kind of you've dressed more like the first the people that you met in the first round i i do think that that's smart um but again you really can't go wrong with kind of i think overdressing i agree with you underdressing could be a problem though for sure although just feel like there might not be that respect for the organization you don't know them you know again you should always err on the side of maybe dressing up more and and I think it's always appropriate if you have a phone call round to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anybody asking questions about who they're meeting, what's the attire, you know, uh, I, all of those kind of paint a picture of somebody who prepares for where they're about to be. Um, the the one thing I just to go back to the resume question for one bit, I, th- I think it's interesting. I'll bring a slightly third pers- third perspective. You got neither of you guys come to the room with a resume. I almost always do with that person's resume if I have it because I want to convey to them that I've read it, that I'm coming into the room and I, I'm going to ask you questions about what's on your resume and I usually try to like make a couple of marks on it and I'll have to admit sometimes that's just for show. But I, if I came into a room as an interviewee uh, after I had submitted my resume, I think I would be felt – I would be more at ease knowing that somebody understands understands – why I'm there. Mm-hmm. I think it's – so to me, that's – as an interviewer, that is kind of my thing of respect. Like I know a bare – a base minimum about you and I'm going to let you know that. So we don't have to start at ground zero. You know, you don't have to tell me where you went to school. I, I see that. Let's have a conversation about this place. Um, I, and so – and that's another thing that I think we would all agree with, but you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, that when you're interviewing someone, you do want it to go well. You really you're you you want in that we all have our body language signals, but what, if I've taken the time to commit to being in the room with somebody, I don't want it to be a train wreck. Yeah, of course. I absolutely want to give that person every opportunity, even if so, say if they're nervous or if something's not going well. I'm not trying to be hostile because I'm making an investment of time, even if it's only a half an hour. 
to try and get that person to present their best self to really see. Because you know, at the end of the day, we have a need as as an agency. We need somebody in this role. We're not just you know you know uh, willy nilly interviewing people. If we bring somebody in to talk to them, it's because we need somebody to do some work. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. It's just you know. It, it, it's the it's those easy again i said it before but the easy things that like just set you up right at the beginning that just disappoint you when somebody's like you know somebody like you know one of the things i've always said and uh i think it came from john lanasa who used to work here is how you do anything is how you do everything and you know so things like typos on the resume things like you know making sure you ask questions when you're sitting in the interview and you're not just listening to somebody else talking um Things like showing up with your resume, uh, you know, all of those things help paint a picture of the type of person you're going to be if you're working here. Um, and those are the things that just to me, I hope are just kind of slam dunks. Like, I'm not going to have to worry about that. You do that. Great. Now let's actually talk about, you know, the type of work you've done. Mm. Um, but no, I, I agree that that those, you know, my my goal when I walk in there is I hope I'm going to be blown away by somebody and I hope that. They've just hit all the points and, and you know, I feel like they'd be a, a perfect fit here. So, so that being said, knowing that we're kind of – we want the interview to go well, now is the point in the podcast where I want to open it up to you guys. Some of your kind of craziest, most regrettable interview experiences, either as an interviewer or an interviewee, just things that y- happened that you couldn't believe were going down in the room. Um, any war stories? Chris, Chris, you're talking like, oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I will say that, you know, there are, are shocking, like, it, it, first of all, it, when you walk in an interview, there are certain base questions, you know, people are going to ask you, why are you leaving your current job? Like what, you know, what's your biggest strength? What's your biggest weakness? And you, you need to be prepared for those. Um, you know, because like it's a shocking how many people like, why are you leaving your current job? Well, I hate my current boss. And then yeah. you just like go on a rampage about like or a rant, sorry, um, about like how they they're always keeping you down and like, you know, man, I don't I don't need your, you know, screed about how crappy your current job is. Cause that just makes me think you're coming in here and you're gonna be pissed off. Not only that, but and I agree with you, that's one of my big ones too. Uh, you, ju- I can just see that if we work with this person when they're looking for their job after this one, that's going to be me that they're complaining about. Mm-hmm. So anybody that walks into the room Complain. and has nothing but trash to talk about where they are and the people they work with and how they're so much better, I o- I only just envision like at some point I'm going to be on that list when you're looking for your next yeah. gig. So why on earth would I want to to Yeah, I, I think if it, it's okay to. My opinion is you should all, when you're asked the question, why are you looking for something new? Uh, you should just make it about what, what it is that you want to be doing, not about how much you hate yeah. what you've yeah, been doing. And, and also make sure you don't, um, I'm surprised how many people say, you know, when you ask the question of like, what, what didn't you like about where you worked that they say a lot about like, Oh, the types of tasks I do felt like it was below me or menial or, you know, it just gives the impression that you don't want to get your hands dirty, no matter what it was you were doing. Like that's not the impression you want to give to a future employer that, that you don't like kind of digging in and doing anything. And granted, yes, maybe you were 
doing something that you shouldn't have been asked to do at your last job. But we don't know that when we're interviewing you. So it just, it's just that impression we get is just like you only like top level stuff and you don't like to <laughs> dig in and get and get your hands dirty. So right. that, that yeah, turns no, me off. Nobody's going to come into the, I, yeah, I, I think the inverse of the, I really like the top level thinking. Nobody's going to come in and say, I like the menial jobs. Right. I like the thankless tasks that I, that, you know, sign me up for that. Nobody comes in saying that, but you're right. I think I also hear that sometimes when, you know, an assumption comes in people thinking of like, and uh, they assume that they're going to be coming in and have support staff. And sometimes that may be true, but I think here specifically, uh, they're, you know, when the, when the head of the agency sometimes empties the sink, the dishes in the sink, there's nothing that's below anybody here. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think one of the, you know, we really foster a sense of like, you know, if we have a, an agency event, everybody's schlepping chairs, you know, sometimes down Broadway, <laughs> you know, to, to, to kind of lend it and do something that they're doing. So if, uh, do, do you ever find that people, especially if they're coming from another agency experience where maybe there is more of a class structure or an infrastructure and they're in a senior role, do you ever have to explain to them, you know, uh, we, you know, what our, what our infrastructure here is, they may be used to having an assistant. We don't really have too many assistants here at all. Um, does that ever something that you have to kind of convey to someone and, and has someone ever said, Oh, thanks for letting me know. I, I, I'm looking for a place that has that. I don't think so. Um, there, there are other things we've encountered where at other agencies, um, people are very much in a, not so much of a collaborative environment where it's, you know, siloed and they're, they're very much can sit at their desk with their headphones on and get the job done. And that's all that's expected of them. And then they come here and and they're not used to the type of environment that, that we have here. Um, but in terms of um, just the expectation that they they don't do, you know, get their hands dirty. They don't they don't do menial work. They don't, you know, chip in and help everybody out. We haven't had that. I haven't experienced that. But I think that's because we can quickly tell in an interview if somebody's not going to be up for that and they don't end up here in the first place. Um, right. Jeremy, what any war stories that you can think of from your many um, years of interviewing? I don't know if there the, there are more war stories of of um, some resumes that I've gotten that you know are you know we never even bring them in, in the first place. But in terms of the interview, there's you know recently there was somebody who I sat with who when it was time to ask two things. One, when it was time to ask questions, I said I don't have any questions. I, I did a lot of research on you, which is just horrible. Um, and uh, the second one was, you know, I asked if they had questions and they start, you know, um, going through their list of questions. And then partway through, they're like, get, they get confused and they're like, wait, I don't, they didn't remember if they asked something and they said, oh, these questions are not in any kind of good order. And I'm like, okay, that's like something you should not be saying in an interview um, that you didn't come prepared and have your questions in a good order. So um, those are just a couple examples there. I feel really negative because we're like everything we're saying well, is all the bad things. No, I, I was just about to do a U-turn. So let's let I can certainly remember interviews where I knew within ten minutes that this is a person that had to be here. That this is a person. I, I can think of three right now of, of examples of situation uh, where I knew right away. I was like, okay, we we found the person. And in the in two out of three of those. I feel like we eventually did hire that person. So let's go with the positive. Have you guys been in the room? Uh, I and I, so I, I'll have, I'll give you a, 
a way to think about it that, but, well, it wasn't, this is a negative story. Okay, <laughs> so fine. I'm okay. sorry. I can't do what you asked me. But so I, I was, um, you know, looking for a job and this was many years ago, way before here. And, um, I, I, it was like at a big, big agency. And I went in there and essentially the way and this comes from my dad, like he says, you don't, you don't go in an interview to be interviewed. You go to an interview to interview. Like, do you want to work there? You know, so I, you know, I kind of expect a bit from whoever's sitting across the table from me when I'm trying to get a job. And I'm asking, you know, all kinds of questions about this place. And the kinds of questions I got back were the typical, you know, nonsense that lots of folks ask, which I, I think are important questions. I, I don't mean to denigrate them, but like, what's your strength? What's your weakness? You know, that kind of stuff. And this woman just kept asking the, and like, it was like 15 minutes in and she was just making me so angry because I, I was getting nothing about what kind of company am I going to? How do you guys work? What do you expect from me? Like nothing. There was no back and forth. So finally she asked, you know, what she did ask, like one of the, one of the questions was what's your biggest weakness? And I essentially looked at her and said, I hate stupid questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, so that interview did not go well from there. Did she make it to round two there? Oh, well, no, she did claim, oh, you know, at the end of the interview, she says, ah, you know, we'll, we'll call you back. And I just, I, I mean, honestly, I was like, lady, you're not calling me back. There's no way you want me here. <laughs> There's no second date happening. Yeah. So what, what I, anyway, where that comes around to is when you're coming here and that, this is kind of, I look for two things in, in, in people. One is, can they tell their story? So, like, if I flip your resume over, can you just tell me your story? Like, what what's awesome about you? Why? What do you, you know, what makes you happy? What makes you excited? And what's, you know, stuff you've done that you're super proud of? And then the second thing I look for is someone who cares about where they're going to work. I don't want answers that tell, like, if, I, if I'm looking for somebody that's, you know, going to be a copywriter, I don't need you to tell me that you love writing, you know, but what I do need to know, I don't tell me what I want to hear. I want to hear what you like, what, you know, is this the right fit for you? Cause that's part of what we're trying to determine. Right. Yeah. Jeremy. Um, I think, and you know, to go positive, I, th- I think that, you know, that there are definitely examples of people who have interviewed who just, uh, kind of like you said, it's like, you just know right away, this person is smart, buttoned up. They ask all the right questions, um, you know, they, they want to know, they should want to know, they should be very curious. They should want to know what they're walking into. And this is to what Chris was saying is also is they should be interviewing me and they should be, um, I want lots of questions. I want lots of smart questions. And you know, what, what is going to make me succeed here? I think that's a great question that I'm asked. Um, not often enough. Um, they just are, you know, uh, a lot of times too busy just talking about what they've done. But really flip it, you know, I can read what you've done on your resume and I can ask you a couple questions on that. But let's talk about like your future life here and and, and how you're going to fit in. And I want them to know when they walk out of that meeting, I want them to know if they feel like they're going to be a good fit here as well. Okay, so last question, thinking back to when you were interviewing here at Situation, did you expect to get the job based on your interview? I don't think I expected to get the job because I had never worked in an agency before. Uh, and so this was a big change. I was on the client side before. I thought I gave a good interview. I thought it was decent. Um, 
but I didn't walk out of there saying, oh, my God, that, I just nailed that. Uh, and honestly, I haven't interviewed for eight years now, so it's been a while. Um, but, you know, it went well. I, I sat with, you know, Damien and, uh, uh, you know, I felt good coming out of it, but I, I definitely wasn't sure I would get it. So, so Chris, when you were interviewing Damien to work here, because we know that following your dad's advice, you were interviewing the company. Did you expect to get the job offer you did? Um, you know what? I, I, I didn't. Um, when I, when I, I didn't know if I would even take it, to be honest. I mean, wait, here, I mean, now we're a, like an amazing company. Like I'm super happy that I, you know, did take the job. But my interview, this was back when there was like four people here and the place that we were, I mean, it shows how far we've come. The place that I interviewed at was around like kind of a borrowed, broken old kitchen table in uh, basically a, a, in the, the, the building was filled with like sweatshops and like sewing places and it smelled of fish. Um, it was, it was just a really strange place to interview at. Um, and what kind of sold me was Damien, you know, cause like when you looked around, I was like, I don't know if this is a place I want to be at. I mean, it just came from a place that was like, you know, fancy, big, big agency, all the bells and whistles. And now it's like, you know, crayons on you know, paper. Well, I, I had a similar experience, bef- not not before I came to Situation, but I had been interviewing with two places many years ago, just after I came to New York, and I had an offer for kind of an entry-level marketing position uh, at a very fancy office, you know, and I, I had one at a, uh, a kind of a downtown off-Broadway show where uh, it was the offices were converted apartments. The CEO had a mohawk and a leather bracelet and thought he was the delivery guy. And both of those offers literally came in, same money, same time. And I, I'm very glad I chose the one that was more interesting. I, I easily could have gone and said, oh, I think this, this one is definitely going places. But I, I'm glad, you know, two paths diverged and I'm happy with the one that I chose. Yeah, I mean, again, it was like Damien was passionate, had crazy vision. Um, at the time, I, I wasn't sure if he could deliver on that, but I'm glad you know I, I picked here because he did deliver. And, and you knew it wasn't going to be boring. You didn't know where it was going in the fish smelling place, but you knew it wasn't yeah, going to be boring. It's not going to be boring. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, we we want to hear from you guys, our listeners. If you have any questions about this topic, about other topics, please send us an email to podcast at situation.nyc. Jeremy, Chris, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Peace out.